0: This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The
1: Minimalists. (laughs) Every little thing
2: you think that you need. Every little thing you
1: think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you will be fine without it.
0: Hey, Minimizers, welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live A meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists. Ryan, the world is suffocating with shoulds. Mm. Our culture has moralized everything from clothing and consumption to relationships and routines. Society is swelling with scores of well-meaning people advising other people on what they are supposed to do. Mm. You should wake up early. You should drink more water. You should watch less TV. You should read these books. You should go to college. You should get married. You should own a home. You should eat plant-based. You should clean your room. You should improve your credit score. We are shooting all over ourselves. It's as if we're facing an advice epidemic. Mm. So we're going to talk about today... You know, Ryan, I think some advice can be helpful, but as you often say, all advice is flawed advice. Mm -hmm. And so on the minimal episode today, this episode, I do want to talk about this advice epidemic that we're in, how it's amplified by social media, amplified by righteousness. And on the maximal episode this week, we'll talk about how all advice is flawed advice, especially unsolicited advice Mm. and maybe there's a particular subset of this epidemic right now where everyone wants to give unsolicited advice but maybe the problem is that we are asking for advice Mm. as well Hmm. we're going to talk about how we can let go of all the shoulds that are making us miserable on the maximal episode this week over on patreon as well also ron i have some taboo shoulds that i want to address with you on the maximal episode we'll talk about Vaccines. You should get vaccinated. You shouldn't get vaccinated. We're going to talk about all these. Mm. You should vote. Voting is one of these shoulds that gets heaped onto us. Mm. And also, oh, I sense like a a fun
1: disagreement coming on. Oh, with, I with, think so. With voting, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Well, it depends on what you think we should do. <laughs> also, fist fights. Mm. I punch someone for the first time in 20 years recently, last month, (laughs) and I want to talk about that, but I'm going to save that for Patreon, patreon.com slash The Minimalist. Every Thursday, we do a very long maximal episode, but today on The Minimal episode, we're talking about the advice epidemic, and Ryan, we've got some questions here. Let's start with Mike's question from Facebook. Let's do it. What possesses some people to
1: insist on giving others unsolicited advice? Man, I'll tell you, I think what's happening today, because of social media, like you said, it is amplified. Uh, there's a lot of virtue signaling going on. Mm. And it's, it's funny because when I see someone else give uh, someone some unsolicited advice, usually
0: it's based from a judgment. And what
1: do we say about judgments?
0: Judgments are but a mirror that reflect the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. So really the unsolicited
1: advice, it's not saying here's what you should do. It's basically saying, here's what I should do. Yes. And I'm going to project that onto you Mm. because that makes me feel better about the decisions I make for
0: myself. I saw a Thomas Sowell quote recently. He said, politics is when you take your desires and prescribe them to everyone else. Mm. Yeah. And that's the same. That's the should thing as well. Right. And so the virtue signaling is a fascinating response to this because... Well, virtues seem virtuous, mm. right? But when we think about, well, what, what does that even mean? It, it starts to, to mean, well, this is good, this is bad. And, and so the, the judgment thing is what? You are wrong, I am right, mm-hmm. and therefore I must impress upon you. I must convince you or persuade you that here is the right way to live, mm-hmm. Mike, uh, your question was fascinating to me because I think if we even remove the word unsolicited, because I do want to talk about that on, on the maximal episode, the unsolicited part. We've got some questions around that. But if I were to remove the word unsolicited, what possesses people to insist on giving others advice? Maybe part of the problem is we feel so compelled to simply give advice because so many people are also asking for advice Mm. without trying to... What does that mean? Oh, I want to abdicate my own responsibility of diving into this. Because if I say, hey, Ryan, what should I eat? Who should I vote for? What should I do? Should I buy a home? Should I go to college? Mm -hmm. And you say... Yes, Josh, you should go to college. And then it doesn't work out for me. Stupid Ryan. Mm. This is all his fault. It's not my fault. Mm. It's his fault. I did the wrong thing. And so I want to talk about right and wrong and and should and shouldn't, but I want to do it through the lens of this essay that I wrote a while ago. This uh, This came out, I don't know, maybe six months ago. It's called The Advice Epidemic, which is also the title of this episode. You'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can read it as well. The urge can... The urge to convince others is overwhelming. On the surface, it appears virtuous to help, to instruct, to coach, to guide, to motivate. Giving advice gives the impression of nobility, as if we have an obligation to ameliorate the plight of the world, to assist people headed the wrong way, to point them in the right direction. Mm. We are all middlemen in the middle ...of a self-help epidemic. Just look at social media. Overnight experts espousing advice. You should wake up early. You shouldn't eat that. You should embrace change. You shouldn't get anxious. What a weird sort of bit of uh, advice there, right? (laughs) Don't get anxious. Oh, thanks. That helps. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, why didn't I think of that, right? So you shouldn't get anxious. You should change your habits. You shouldn't wear socks with sandals. But that one actually is true. Yeah, yeah, you got a point there. Although (laughs) I see all the kids now. They're all wearing the Yeezy sandals with their socks. Is it cool now, Danny? By the way, we've got our studio audience in the house today, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Sean's the only one not applauding. I'm a little worried about him. (laughs) Uh, There he goes. Not that you should apply. Feeling Sean. himself today. Oh uh, yes, yeah. yes. Podcast Sean. Uh, we got the whole the whole studio audience here. Jordan, no more. Danny, unknown. Podcast Sean. Alabama and immigrant. <laughs> and uh, we're we're all here today talking about well the advice epidemic. Back yeah. to this essay here, but really there is no should. There never was. And without the sandcastle of shoulds, all advice begins to crumble in the wind. Each time we advise someone, it may feel like it's arising from a place of love. But it's actually the ego saying, I know mm. what's best for you. Back to Mike's question from Facebook. What's the ultimate source of this? It's the ego. Yeah. It's the righteousness of the ego. It's the hubris of the ego saying, hey, look, I've figured it out. I was on Clubhouse last night uh, doing some readings from our new book Love People Use Things and I was talking to Yaman who has called in to the podcast before and we've talked to him on several different occasions but he and I he, he was saying look I feel like, feel like I've figured out a few things in my own life and it feels so good but why am I so compelled now to advise others mm. do, do you understand this and I was like well yeah, I, I too am plagued by self-righteousness, Yaman. Mm-hmm. And this isn't self-righteousness is bad or good. We hear these things and we start making all of these sort of value judges, but it's understanding where is the place from which this emanates, mm. the desire to change other people.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, it feels good to help others, you know? Mm. So, which actually is, in a way, is ego-driven too, right? Because when I go to the food kitchen... It is like this, It you know, ostensibly it's this selfless act of like, oh, I'm going to help others. But like I get a lot out of that. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it feels good to help others. So people are, they're
0: looking for ways to help others. Right. Yeah. Because they're looking for ways to what? Feel good. Mm, yeah. And if yeah. that's the outcome, nothing wrong with that. In fact, I'm going to talk about yeah, the ego sure. here in a second, how it can serve you in a way. And I've got a, a metaphor for you. So I know what's best for you. The implication of which is disconcerting. I am right. You are wrong. And if you subordinate yourself to me, I will fix you. (laughs) What a fascinating metaphor, by the way, the the fixing, right? As though you are a machine and I'm the mechanic and I will fix you. Now, some advice or how-tos can be really helpful, especially in a mechanical sense. If I need to learn how to repair my bike chain, Right. There are a bunch of really great videos on YouTube that will help me with the the mechanics of that. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to be the best bike builder in the world, there's no YouTube video that's going to help me accomplish that. Mm. Anyway, back to the text here. I will fix you. How is this loving? There is no bigger ego than that of the helper. The helpful man simply cannot help himself. He feels obligated to tear an eagle from the sky to save it from falling, to drag a dolphin to the shore to rescue it from drowning. This is the opposite of helpful. I know because I've done it a thousand times. And for that, I'm sorry. A thousand apologies. My first inclination is to delete it all. Every exhortation, recommendation, suggestion, and opinion. Everything from the past 39 years. But we cannot start over by erasing the past. We can only move forward in the everlasting now. Perhaps I developed an allergy to advice because propagating it only feeds the ego. Now, the ego is not a bad thing just like fire is not good or bad it can warm you or it can burn you Mm. that's the point i want to get across here it's not that we hear ego and because we've moralized everything oh ego bad right ego lists must be good right Mm -hmm. well no no no. throw those out the window with the shoulds take them all put them in in a trash can set them on fire and realize that the ego might serve you in other ways; it might not serve you. Just like that fire, yeah. And and if it, if you get too close to it, well, you might get scorched. Yeah. Along the way, the desire to help isn't good or bad either. It appears for myriad reasons, all of which belong to the ego. And fortifying the ego is a surefire way to decrease the peace. Now, what's fascinating about this, Ryan, is. People value different things and a lot of people don't value peace Mm. and it's not that I'm better because I do value peace. It's just something I've recognized. Like I value alone time way more than someone like you. Sure. You value time around people. One isn't good or bad. One isn't better than the others. It's simply preference, right? You have a preference for something. Some people don't have a preference for peace. I mean, I hear my daughter all the time. Oh, this is boring. Okay. Well, she doesn't have a preference for peace mm. at, as an eight-year-old, right? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. And what I can do is I could talk to her and I could say what? Oh, you should prefer peace. You should want to be more tranquil. Yeah. Now I'm shooting on her. <laughs> right. And what is she going to do with that advice? Exactly. I should prefer peace. Like, okay. Yeah. Now yeah. what? Now what do I do? Yeah. And, and then when she said, "Well, how do I get there?" Well, there is no getting there. It's already there within you, right? Mm. Because what if I said, "Well, the way to get peace is you eat a hundred blueberries four <laughs> times a day." Right. Well, and then it doesn't work. Well, now I've failed her as well. Yeah. Returning to the text here, to advise is to put oneself on a pedestal, a plinth upon which no sincere person rests. It necessitates. We look down on others, which is an aberrant position for any human. So, putting ourselves accidentally on a pedestal—that's what we're doing with all of these. This advice, all of these shoulds. When I was talking to Yaman last night on Clubhouse, with with these, uh, I'm doing these relationship with less rooms. I'm just practicing for the up-coming tour that we have, doing some readings and Q and A, and I. You know, it's funny, He was at one point he goes, so what, you know, what should I do because I don't want to give advice, right? Like, mm. I, I've realized the, the sort of folly or the, the, the absurdity, the illusion of my desire to give this advice, but now it's, well, what should I do? I says, Yaman, you realize you're asking for advice about how not to give advice. I, mm. I don't have advice for you. I have some observations mm. about my own experience, and we can talk about those things and how, in a way, my own observations can be much more helpful because I'm not saying you should do this. But if I say, here's the recipe of something that has worked for me. And when Ryan, you come in and say, here's something that has worked for me. Yeah. People can recognize, oh, that may work for me or it may not.
1: Yeah. It's like the packing party. It's like, I don't think anyone should. In fact, I think most people shouldn't do a packing party. Uh But yeah, but me sharing it and saying, hey, here's what I got. Here's what I got out of it. Here are the lessons that I learned. Um, People can take it for what it is. And if there's an ingredient there that they want to put into their life,
0: great. Yes. But yeah, uh, I would say a lot of people uh, shouldn't do anything. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, And, and, and so what's fascinating about that, the packing party is a great example of that's a, a how to sort of thing, but it's much more about the understanding That you got from it. It wasn't about tidying up your closet, organizing your sock drawer or whatever. It
1: didn't make me happy. It's not like all of a sudden I had a packing party and then at the end of it, I was like, oh, I have found eternal bliss. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah.
0: If anything, it made you slightly more miserable in the moment Mm. for several Mm -hmm. reasons. One is you're like, God, I have to unpack these things as I need them. Like that's adding some unnecessary friction. It feels like. But from that friction came some understanding. Mm. Oh, wow, look at all these things. I've got all this excess stuff in my home. 80% of my things in my home, I'm not using them. In fact, they're getting in the way of my happiness, Mm. my peace, my tranquility, my desire to contribute. Whatever it is, these things are getting in the way of that. And Mm. that was true for you. And the reason this message resonates with so many people, it's not about the decluttering of the closet. That's only one aspect of it. It's like, Oh, the things are getting in the way of blank. And that blank is different for almost everyone. But it's that deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. Let me finish up this essay here. We're we're almost through it. So, advice, no. I don't want to help you. I don't want to not help you either. I want to love you. Love requires speaking the truth and remaining neutral as to whether it, quote, helps anyone. If it helps, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. The reception is up to the recipient. The truth is exposed through honest observation, through seeking and awareness, through an examination of obstacles and a deeper understanding of the way things are. This Let's pause on that for a moment, Ryan. We're talking about shoulds right now. Mm-hmm. The reason, back to Mike's question, Why do we insist on this so much? Because we're so discontented with the way things are in our own life, in our own existence. Mm. And if I could just change these 43 things or these seven things or this one thing, this object A, then all of a sudden, life would be grand. It would be wonderful. It should be that way because I'm so discontented with Reality. I know in a moment we're going to talk about perfection, and I want to bring that back up again. The end of this here. To be clear, this is not a recommendation. I don't think you should do anything. I'm not arguing my point in this missive, nor am I urging you to comprehend my message. I don't hope to convince you of anything. The moment we try to convince someone, we have lost the plot. To convince, to influence, to prove oneself. These are all ribs lining the same umbrella. The truth does not require per- the truth does not require persuasion, coaxing or coercion. The- it is the truth, whether you're convinced or not. As is love. Mm. We have a question from Megan in Boston.
2: I list my grandfather, and while he and I are both pretty minimalist in ideals, it must have skipped a generation because his kids, my aunt and uncles, are not. And they have all of their stuff, not all of their stuff, but a lot of their stuff still at my grandfather's house. Do you have any tips or suggestions on how to navigate with them cleaning out the house for both me and my grandfather's sanity?
0: Ryan, what's your advice
1: for Megan? (laughs) I don't have any advice per se, but I do have some observations. Uh, It sounds like her aunt and uncles are using her grandfather's place as a storage unit. And that is, uh, well, at least for, for, Megan and her grandfather, it's unacceptable.
0: And maybe. Is it unacceptable for the grandpa? Is is the the question I'm wondering. It sounds mm. like it is through this message. Yeah. But, but what but if he's not bothered by it? Yeah, it's worth asking. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, there's there's a couple of different ways he can feel about it. Yes, he could be offended by it and look at it, I can't believe, you know, my kids are using my house as storage. Or maybe he thinks he's doing something nice for them. Oh, you know what? I know that there was a certain point where my grandma, she had downsized uh, this is years and years ago and I was probably 18 19 years old I'm over at her house and she was throwing away a bunch of stuff and like my knee-jerk reaction was like grandma Some of that stuff is sentimental like hold on to it because you know, maybe like one day I'll want I will want some of that stuff and out of kindness. She was like, yes, you know what? I'll do that for you Ryan. I will hold on to this stuff And I remember like 10 years after that she was like Hey, do you want any of the stuff that you told me to hold on to yet?
0: And I'm like "No, nah, I'm good <laughs> <laughs> she ended up throwing it away. Did you forget about it in a way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, most days it, it never even crossed your mind that it was there. That's exactly right. Yeah. It only crossed your mind when someone brings it up, and then it's like, oh, now I start the clinging again. Yeah. I had already let go of it in a way because I stopped thinking, it or they stopped thinking of it. Maybe the uncle, aunt and uncle had stopped thinking about it, yeah. and they only start clinging to it again when the threat of quote losing it. Yeah. They're losing something they've never really had in the first place because mm-hmm. they're not. They don't. Need, they clearly don't need it.
1: Yeah, I think in this situation, Megan needs to explore uh, everyone's preferences, right? Like, that's where you start. Like, what, how does her grandpa feel? We know how Megan feels about it. How does her aunt and uncle feel? And then once you kind of have the preferences laid, on, laid out on the table, then you can start to create some boundaries with your aunt and uncle, with your grandfather. It's not just, here's how it needs to be. Uh, it needs to be the way that Megan wants. Here's her advice to her aunt and uncle. It's it's more about working together to
0: to see how those preferences could come together
1: and create boundaries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The boundaries thing is really, really important. In fact, with the, the new team we have here, we, we sat down. I'm going to talk about this on a Patreon episode in the future. I think probably next week we set up these 17 different boundaries. Well, why mm-hmm. do we set up boundaries? Not because I want to say no, 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 And But these weren't even proscriptions. They're mm-hmm. not saying don't do this. We're mm-hmm. saying, hey, here are some things that we as a team and as individuals we may want to avoid these. Well, why? Because, in a way, if we don't have any boundaries, we don't have any freedom. Right. And right now, what's happening is the aunt and uncle are inadvertently, accidentally treading on Megan's and grandfather's freedom. Yeah. Or at least Megan's for sure, right? Yeah. And part of this has to do with our own expectations. You, if you have an expectation that they don't dump their stuff at your house, mm-hmm. then of course that stuff's going to make you miserable. If the grandpa's expectation is, oh, I really want to hold on to this stuff for them because I feel as though they need help, then maybe it's actually bringing him some sort of joy in some roundabout way. Yeah. So ultimately, as Ryan said, examining, especially examining the, those expectations, mm-hmm. that'll take you a whole lot farther than saying they should or they shouldn't have the stuff grandpa's house. Although, yeah. Megan, if you want to bring them to our Boston event, we're getting ready to go on tour. It's called the Love People Use Things Tour. Podcast Sean, if you could reach out and give her a few tickets, if you want to bring the aunt or uncle or maybe even both, or maybe grandfather would like to come as well. Uh, we're going to go to 20 different cities. We're starting in Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. We'll be on the East Coast and Boston and New York and uh, D.C., We're going to be in, man, a bunch of different places. Orlando and Nashville and Atlanta and Phoenix and Denver, off the top of my head here. Uh, Where else are we going to be? Oh, Salt Lake City, Mm. Vancouver, Toronto, LA, San Francisco, Seattle. We're going to be all over the Midwest as well. Toronto and Chicago and Columbus, Ohio, back in our home state, our birth state, the birthplace of aviation and the minimalists. Uh, where else we're going to be we'll be in Minneapolis and a few other places as well the minimalists.com/tour if you want to grab some tickets we're going to give a live talk about minimalism do a reading from our new book, a live version of the minimalist podcast as well. Plus we'll answer a bunch of your questions. The minimalistscom slash tour. Megan, we will see you in Boston. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it
1: is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to
0: nine, three, seven, two, zero, two, four, six, five, four. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones. We do respond to as many people as we can. And occasionally we respond to folks here on the podcast. Now during the lightning round. So Ryan, I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media. And thanks to our good friend, Jessica, Social Jess, you can find all of our minimal maxims now at one place, minimalmaxims.com. We have a question here from Holly. How do we critically evaluate all the shoulds out
1: there and take what works for each of us? So, it's, so I, I getting back to the perfection thing, mm-hmm. I had texted you this morning, I'm like, what about this minimal maxim? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, what, what is it? Perfection is the enemy of progress? Yes. Yeah. And then I realized that was Winston Churchill's quote, so I can't really claim it as my own. You're basically Winston Churchill when we think about <laughs> it, though. <laughs> right. Especially when I'm at Ramsey's with, with a cigar and a glass of uh, <laughs> bourbon. Well, and then you had texted back and you were like, oh, this will be a fun disagreement with, which I don't know how a disagreement can be fun, but i'm open to it we have fun disagreeing
0: all the time I expect, <laughs> you know how it can be fun especially when we have tk coleman here oh yeah the yeah. three of us like it's almost like we disagree until it all sort of melts into one agreement yeah
1: well it's funny how we all we agree on like where where it ends it's the path to get there Ooh. is we, we just take a bunch of different paths but you had texted me you were like well if anything i think the opposite is true yes that Progress gets in the way of perfection. Progress is the enemy of perfection. Yeah, and, and the reason I tweet
0: that podcast, Sean, <laughs> um,
1: the reason why I bring this up is because Holly's looking for this perfect list of shoulds. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no such thing as a perfect list of shoulds, right? But what she's doing, she's getting caught in this analysis phase of like, well, I don't want to do the wrong thing. So I want to have the perfect list of actions before I actually take any actions. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, that's where I, that's where I thought of this quote, oh, well, this perfect list is getting in the
0: way of you taking action. Right, right. And, and what I would say is that your taking action is getting in the way of your perfection. Okay, expound. So, so we're already perfect. This moment right now is perfect. It doesn't require any doing. In fact, the doing is what ruins the sort of perfection of the moment. When a baby is born, it is perfect, mm. and it becomes acculturated through society, through uh, other people, through religion, through uh, culture, whatever it is to sort of ruin the perfection we cover up everything that is perfect this moment right now has Mm. everything that it needs in this moment Mm. so right now the eternal now is perfect and yet i'm not saying well we don't do anything i'm saying our volition is what ruins the the perfectness of the of the moment yeah um I understand and
1: uh, I don't know what what to say that because to me it's like this, it's nuanced. It's like, Mm -hmm. let's define um, progress. Let's define perfection because through your lens of perfection of progress, it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. But in the same token, I look at like our book, for example, Mm
0: -hmm. is it perfect? No, of course not. Because it
1: requires all the doing. But what if we, what if we required it to be perfect? before we released
0: it. Yes. Then, then, of course, it's never going to happen because perfect already right. exists before the action. Exactly. And every action imperfects the moment. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. <laughs> and, and, and so let's get back to the question here because sure. here's where we do agree, Ryan, is there is not a critical list or a... a, a there's not a list of the good shoulds and <laughs> a list of the bad shoulds. And that's right. that's really where Holly is right now. Is, mm-hmm. Hey, what are the good shoulds that I should do? Yeah. And what are the bad shoulds that I shouldn't do? Yeah. No, that doesn't exist because these are all perspectival, situational, personal, and even they're relative to the time span as well. Mm-hmm. The things that, you, that were beneficial to you, maybe that's the way I would look at it. What is beneficial to me? Not the shoulds. Mm-hmm. What are the things that are beneficial to you? And quite often, it has nothing to do with the doing. Your packing party, I think, is the premier example of this. I know we already brought it up once, but the, the fact it had nothing to do with the doing. Yeah. It, in fact, it was much more about the realization that came from that experiment from the Hmm. pausing from the not having the stuff Mm. the realization there is so much more important the insight Mm -hmm. is so much more important than the list of actions that you did because here's the thing let's say you wrote out that packing party here are the uh, 100 steps of the packing party right and you handed that to someone and they just did those 100 steps they're not going to experience the realization, right? But there's a questioning that, that that arises from the pause. Now that all of a sudden, now you start to have a realization around oh, all of these things that I've told myself that Holly has told herself that I JFM has told himself I'm supposed to do. It's all nonsense. Yeah,
1: it's interesting though because without the actions of packing my things up and unpacking them as Time went on for three weeks. I don't know if I would have gotten to those realizations if it was if it wasn't for your marriage ending and your mother passing away. You know, would you have become a minimalist? I mean, these are all hypotheticals. And what if
0: hypothetical questions didn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing: no, there, it's it's just backwards from that. So you you've got it. You're, you're spot on. It's just that you had a realization first before the packing party. There's no way you would have had a packing party without the realization of oh, I'm miserable right now.
1: Right, right, right. I guess what I'm saying is, is the uh, so we're talking about two different realizations. Yes, you're right. The misery is what led to the action. So what you often say is like, if you could understand the problem, the how-to kind of takes care of itself. So, Amen. So in that situation, that's exactly, but then once I once the how-to was completed, uh-huh. I was able to have these other insights. These, exactly. These, uh, these other revelations. I don't know if I could have got there without the how-to that yeah. makes sense there was no how-to though
0: well, the, already, there literally wasn't you had to sense make sense. it up right and and yeah. and that's the point no yeah. one told you ryan here's what you should do you should have a packing party right in fact if i would have come to you and said hey ryan you should have a packing party you would have been like get, get out of here yeah. man what are you talking right. about you should become a minimalist right yeah. and and so the reason those things don't work but they work for you it had nothing to do with the how unfolded on its own. Yeah. It's almost as though the path unfurls in front of you after the realization. Mm. And of course, what does that do? It le- leads to new realizations, which lead to new paths. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you start uncovering what? Your values. Yeah. And I know that's the thing that you wanted to touch on with this question, mm-hmm. is the values, understanding your values, It, it is not a, it is also not a how-to process. Right. The, the how to like the packing party side of it, the packing things up and unpacking
1: like that worked for me to get to those realizations, to get to really the minimalists.com. Cause that's where the whole website began was with, with, was with that story. Um, but I think what people are looking for, I think what, you know, Holly specifically is looking for, she's like, well, she's asking for advice. How do I sift through all of these different how to's? Mm mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going to work for Holly. At the end of the day, I have yes. no clue what's going to work
0: for her. Right, and so when you look at things in, uh, through the lens of good and bad, what are the good shoulds and the bad shoulds? Mm-hmm. What's the good advice and the bad advice? Right. In fact, on the Maximum episode, we're going to talk about, someone has this fascinating question. It was, I think it was Amanda. Well, it's not really, she says, it's not really an advice epidemic. It's an unqualified advice epidemic. Mm. Well, who, who now becomes qualified to give the advice? Is it, you need a, an advice degree? Right. Well, I mean, or is it, you know, because all the people I look up to are dead, and they don't have any degrees for the most part, right? (laughs) Uh, And the appeal to authority is tempting... But also at the same time, it can blind us if we just if we outsource. You know, it's the same thing we talked about earlier. If I'm like, well, Ryan, he has a college degree, so I'm just gonna I'll, I'll defer to you on any business decisions, right. Ryan, because you have your business degree, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so you're the expert on this. I'm not. I don't have a business degree. I defer to you. On and and so now I'm I'm letting go of my own personal responsibility, my mm-hmm. self reliance in a way, outsourcing it. And when I do that, well, then I'm not going to. I'm also outsourcing my understanding. Mm. And, and as soon as we do that. Yeah. We're in for a world of hurt. Yeah.
1: There is. Yeah. There is no, no one can help you understand. No one can help me see what my values truly were until I went through that process by myself. Bingo. But, but that process, mm-hmm. it worked for me. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I understand where Holly is right now, but getting back to the values piece of it, this is what's, I feel like is really going to help Holly. It's like when you understand what you truly value, that is where life's paths start to become illuminated. The way I was talking to Josh about it before the podcast was the values is kind of like this headlamp where like now you can kind of like see in the dark a little bit and have an idea of where to go. But but without understanding, you know, what it is that you truly value, Holly, like you're... uh, you could just try as many things as you want, but yeah, you're to me, you're going to, that's a little bit of a harder way to learn, Mm -hmm. which by the way, if that's the way you want to learn, that's okay. Um, But it would
0: be a little bit more difficult uh, walking around in the dark than without a headlamp. Let's expand on that real quick. Anthony DeMello talks about how do you deal with the darkness as you don't deal with, you don't fight it, right? Quite often we try to fight the evil, the darkness, whatever the Mm -hmm. bad in life. Mm -hmm. You don't, Imagine trying to fight the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I did when I was a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the problem with fighting the darkness is it actually, now it becomes more terrifying. You're panicking in the darkness. Mm. Well, how do you fight the, really fight the darkness? It's by illuminate, turning on the light. Yeah. The light eradicates the darkness. Mm. And so that's what you're talking about here, Ryan. Your values, they, they turned on a a dim light. And it just takes a little bit of light to remove the darkness altogether. Yeah. One more thing on the perfect, the perfection thing. I wrote down this John Steinbeck quote that a lot of people use. It's on these successory posters and other places. <laughs> and it's just like the Winston Churchill quote. I, I disagree with the, the way this is framed and I would flip it around. So mm. the John Steinbeck quote is, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Mm. Well, let me... Let me rephrase that for you, Steinbeck. Now that you don't have to be good, Mm. you can be perfect. Mm. Because we are imperfected by our desire to be righteous, to be good, to oppose the bad things. But man, weren't we already born perfect? Weren't we already Mm. born complete? Yeah. And everything else we do incompletes us in a way. Mm. So by letting go of the shoulds, by letting go of the things you need to do, you must do. Mm. There are countless things you can do. There's a list of coulds. And so turning those shoulds into coulds mm-hmm. is the best way to realize, oh, wow, there are infinite things I can do.
1: Yeah, that's actually my pithy answer. There are no shoulds, only coulds. Totally rip that off from you. But it's true. Amen. Yeah. Well, Ryan, we got a bunch more to talk about, but first, what do you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Check them out.
2: Hi, I'm Grace from the Bay Area, and I just wanted to make a comment on your sustainable living episode. So I started my minimalism sustainability journey a year ago as a sophomore in high school, and recently I've actually realized that making my own beauty products has made a positive impact on my life and my self-care routine. Uh, everything is natural, and it also builds a nice relationship because it takes more time and you'll use less products that are maybe not useful in your routine. Hi, my name is Lori. I'm from the Chicago area. I wasn't able to come to the event in Chicago, but I did listen to the podcast of it. And um, I come from a long line of hoarders, even though I don't struggle with uh, accumulating stuff myself. And I wanted to talk to the woman who um, had said she was having trouble getting rid of things because she didn't have a car. One thing I've noticed is that many times people who struggle with too many possessions uh, have plans, specific plans for those items. You know, you might hear someone say, "Um, I can't get rid of those doilies because I'm giving them to Aunt Sally. Or, you know, I'm keeping the paper towel tubes because I'm going to bring them to the local preschool for crafts. But that day never comes, and you just keep holding on to it. Um, a side note here is that we often make plans for our things, not just to hold on to them longer, but because we attribute more value to those items than they actually have. But that would be a whole other comment. <laughs> so for people who struggle with stuff, I just recommend being really honest with yourself about the plans you have for those items. It may sound altruistic, but it may just be like a, a veiled way of excusing yourself to continue to keep those items. So I recommend just pack it all up, donate it all to Goodwill or the Salvation Army, or have somebody come and pick it up. And whoever's meant to have those items will find them. And you can just let go of that responsibility of feeling like you need to find the perfect home for it. And then you won't be able to use logistics or lack of time as an excuse to hold on to things.
0: Alright, Joe, we got a bunch more surprise questions this Thursday over on Patreon. That's the maximal episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast. Patreon.com slash the But first, real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Ryan, in about a week we have a brand new month that is starting. And when a new month is approaching It's a new opportunity to let go. (laughs) We've had tens of thousands of people play the 30-day minimalism game. If you saw our last film, we also called it the Less Is Now Challenge. And you can see their photos of people letting go from... All over the world, tens of thousands of people, but you can also download our free minimalism game calendar. It's over on the resources page on our website. If you just go to theminimalists.com, click on resources at the top, we have a bunch of free resources over there, including this calendar you can print out, and it shows you how many things you've gotten rid of throughout the month. So on day one, you get rid of one item. Day two, you've gotten rid of two items, but then there's a tally. Okay, now I've gotten rid of three items. Day three, you've gotten rid of three more items that day, but six items total so forth and so on you can play this game with someone you love or with your arch nemesis there are no shoulds, so you can play it with whomever you'd like it's and a great point yeah the thir- <laughs> the 30 day minimalism game the minimalists.com slash game you can read more about the game there as well you can download the free calendar on our website for our added value this week i thought we would listen to the new title track from The Killers' new album. They came out with a surprise album. It is called Pressure Machine. So let's give that a listen. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, like how can I learn to be okay with the skin I'm in while also wanting to lose weight? Well, as a formerly obese person, I certainly struggled with that, and mm. and we can talk about that. How do we address people who insist on giving unsolicited parenting advice. Woo. Mm. I deal with this one all the time. <laughs> is my obsession with self-improvement contributing to my misery? Yes. Well, yes. Well, let's talk about <laughs> why that is the case and why we are almost all burdened with that. Yeah. Plus, we got a million more questions for the minimalist. We're going to talk about some taboo shoulds, Ryan, and maybe we can agree to disagree or we could just fight it out on the, the maximal edition of the podcast cage match and if you want to hear all that join us on the minimalist private podcast this week visit patreon.com slash the minimalist to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app you also get access to our archives it's hundreds of hours of minimalism Our Ask the Minimalist sessions are over there. We do a monthly Ask the Minimalist session, about 50 of them out there right now. And our Patreon community, thousands of other people who support this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement-free. By the way, if you can't attend one of our tour stops, if you're one of our true fans or our VIPs over on Patreon, you get access to all of our live events. We've had nine tours in the past. Many of them have been filmed or recorded. Access to all of those live events and any of our upcoming live events you'll have access to as well. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip, for our podcast. Email a voice memo Mm -hmm. to podcast at minimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists and if you want our show notes in your inbox sign up for our email list. It's free theminimalists.com You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails whenever we send those and if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this Love people and use things because the opposite never works Thanks for listening y'all. We'll see you next time
1: will set your eyes agleam Like four feet dangling in the stream The kingdom of God, it's a pressure machine Every step, gotta keep it clean A mattress on a hardwood floor Who could ever ask for
2: more? I'll get up and cut the grass
1: Ain't nothing wrong with working class